Whipper. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk. You know how to dance. You ever dance with the devil in the Welcome to another episode of This Week in Salsa, and today on the show we have Nestor Russell of NestorRussellDance.com, also of the Dallas uh, Salsa scene. So, Nestor, thanks for coming on the show. No, you're good. Thank you very much for having me, though, Robert. I want to apologize in advance. Uh, I'm a little bit of in transit here. Uh, it's a little bit of a hectic week, so I had to do this uh, while driving. <laughs> nah, no worries, man. It's a life of a, of a salsa dancer, right? I know that you're really busy with your teams. You're going to the... The, what was it, the big salsa fest in San Antonio, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So we're all this week, we're trying to get ready, getting ready all my students and trying to get ready for our performances in San Antonio. So it tends to be a little bit kind of hectic. They usually the week before are trying to run with practices and picking up stuff here and there, you know? Sure, sure. Hey, no worries, man. Well, hey, to get right into it, one of the first questions I always ask guests on the show is, what are you expert in? And... You know, expert, a lot of people tend to think expert as like what you are the best in the world in. And that's not necessarily how I think about that question. I think more so what are you really focused in on? What have you worked a lot on? And what do you think that you're, you know, pretty successful in when it comes to dance? And that may be a certain dance style. It may be understanding the musicality or the music behind the dance or something else related to what we call salsa dancing, right? So what would you say that you are expert in? Oh, man, dude, I'm going to have to go with what you said earlier. First of all, disclaimer, <laughs> I don't I don't consider myself top of the line or anything. And the reason why I say that is because I I'm gonna, I have a big belief that you're always continuing. You're always getting better. You know, you're always continuing to learn. Um, you can always learn from anybody, you know, be your student, another teacher. You know, you always learn from anybody. Maybe something that I've. I've put a lot of research into and um, over the years uh, may have maybe has been understanding music style more than anything um, I come from, I come from a background of being a musician uh, you know I've been a musician all my life and that's what I went to school for so if anything I think understanding music structure and uh, and understanding where different Cuban Afro Cuban rhythms come from and distinguishing between the differences more than anything, um, I think that yeah I think that's one of the things that I, I put a lot of emphasis on and that uh, so, I I've got a lot of knowledge over the years you know yeah and and you're actually currently pursuing a degree in, in violin is that right? Well, I actually have already graduated from the University of Texas uh, in performance arts as a violinist so I did do that. I'm trying to go back to uh, University of North Texas, so I'm taking a few classes maybe towards my master's. Still a work in progress, though. We're still <laughs> kind of working on that. Sure. Well, okay, so let's talk about that because uh, from the musical understanding, certainly a lot of people do get into salsa after learning an instrument growing up as a kid in their formative years, but how does that actually make you a better dancer? If I'm a listener right now and I never played an instrument, I know nothing about musical structure, um, which... I guess that would be me. So uh, we're really talking about myself here because I don't know much about the musical <laughs> structure, right? Uh, how does that help me as a dancer? Uh, what 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 part of that makes me more effective dancer as opposed to just understanding? Oh, this is a uh, Wahira, This is a uh, Walanco. Like, how do I know 
something beyond that? What, what kind of value does it give me? Right, right, right. I would say yes and no. And I know that's a very open-ended question, open-ended answer, you know. Um, no, because obviously you're a musician. If you're learning how to play music, you know, you're not a dancer. Uh, so directly, is learning music structure going to help you as a better dancer? Not necessarily. Not in, not in the same way just as taking ballet lessons or taking hip-hop does not make you a better salsa dancer, you know, because it's something, something different altogether. Um, where it does come helpful in is understanding music structure. Um, it has to do a lot with maybe timing. So a musician is able to really understand music and know where you're at at all times, uh, a time, you know, uh, within a certain time of music. So I've, I've taught students to where they come from a music background um, into brand new into dance. And they seem to get, they seem, it, it seems timing seems to be not an issue to them whenever they're learning how to dance. So they're able to develop that, that sense of, uh, you know, kind of help you with the basics a little bit easier that if you're taking somebody that totally does not know anything about musical time, uh, musicality or timing, you know, first of all. So it does help in many aspects. Uh, that's also as well as understanding the different types of rhythms that are out there. Um, just because what I, I strive to now, I'm not an expert at this, I have a long way to go, but uh, what I strive to do if I strive to dance to what I'm listening to, you know, if I'm listening to a charanga, um, try to differentiate in my dancing between a charanga and dancing a mambo, you know. Uh, um, so that's just something that I really try to kind of emphasize. So the more the more you learn how about music, does not make you a better dancer, no, but it does maybe help you interpret the music that you're listening to a little bit more accurately so let's actually let's actually talk about that so if i'm hearing a charanga versus a mambo how does that influence my dancing so my guess here is that if a charanga comes on i'm going to have more pachanga in my shining and maybe in my partner work than in the normal mambo is that one of like maybe a tactical example of how your dancing would change for a charanga versus a mambo yeah, definitely. Because remember, at the end of the day, drop, you're not dancing to a count. You know, you're not dancing to a one, two, three, five, six, seven. You are dancing to a feeling that the music, that the musician is trying to convey. You know, so the musician is trying to convey a meaning, a a style with through their music. You know, and they as a dancer, we're receptive to all of that, and we're trying to interpret what the musician is telling us through the music that they've created into our body we're not dancing to a one two three five six seven so if a musician is trying to convey to us the feeling of a mambo then our dancing needs to in my opinion of course disclaimer again in my opinion our dancing needs to reflect that you know um our in my opinion again if you're dancing you should not be dancing a mambo versus a wawanko or a charanga or all in the same way if you know what i mean yeah yeah and uh, so we had does joel, that make sense <laughs> yeah oh it definitely does and we had joel dominguez on the show about three weeks ago and he his website is called dancewithfeeling.com so it's funny you talk about dancing with the feeling right and 
what I'm, I'm starting to realize about a lot of these New York schools that's different from a lot of other schools around the country is that they don't teach on the counts. Even to beginners, they're first exposing them, okay, let's dance on the conga and the clave, and then we'll introduce counts later on. But a lot of uh, studios around the country tend to do it the other way, where they're taking you on the counts because that's the easiest thing to kind of understand at first. Uh, then they maybe introduce the instruments, if they ever do, to the beginners. Right, exactly. No, I, I hear you in that. Uh, they both have their pros and cons, you know. Uh, starting with count, kind of, kind of standardized teaching, you know, a little bit. So you can have a plain level feel, especially if you're teaching a large group of students. So I see where the benefit comes from that. But yeah, at the end of the day, you are dancing with the instrument. And the dancing that developed from, from that type of music was influenced heavily by the type of music structure that uh, those musicians were, were trying to replicate at that time, you know? I think my, my ultimate question here, because when people are listening to this episode, us talking about music, no one's right. going to become an expert in music over the course of the next 20 minutes, right? But... What are, I'm a big fan of Pareto principle that, you know, 20% of your effort can yield 80% of your results. And I think that can be applied to salsa as well. So if you were talking to people say like, Hey, here are two or three tactics or overall theories or like just mental ways of thinking about music and things to look for that will significantly improve your dancing. Like day one, when you try this out on the dance floor, um, what are some of those things? And I, I'm almost thinking like, uh, one of the things I remember I learned was how to find the one count. And the one count oftentimes is signaled by a new instrument coming into the song. So when that trumpet first comes into the, uh, the chorus, that's when you know the one has started. When the singer first starts singing, that's also a note for the one. Are, are there other tactics or strategies or overall theories about music that you think would be helpful to, uh, to the dancer that they can just immediately apply? Right, right, right. Um, now there are there are many instruments out there you can kind of look for and there are some uh, standardizations to as far as the musicality. Now I do come from a classical classically trained um, background of being a musician, you know. So I have gathered quite a few of music, quite a little bit of knowledge on Afro Latin percussion and you know kind of music standardization. I still have a lot to learn. But there are quite a few patterns that you can look at. Uh, first of all, the structure of the tumbao rhythm um, within within a specific Afro-Cuban land piece, you know. Uh, obviously, if you're dancing on two, then you're going to be more likely, if you can hear the tumbao, um, go with the slap of the congas, you know, because that's going to usually signify your two and your six. Uh, you have the clave. But now keep in mind that Every instrument in in a, I guess in in this instance we're talking about Afro Cuban Afro Cuban rhythms, um, still has the clave pattern within them. Whether you're talking about a piano montuno, you know, or whether you're talking about the the tumbao pattern of the conga, every instrument more or less is following the same the same clave you know which clave doesn't necessarily mean just the wooden instruments you know it means the actual time signature that or that time time phrasing that it, uh, every instrument is using in the salsa band so you can get the clave uh, if you're talking about 
time structure, of course, you can get the clave from listening to Atumbao, uh, from the conga, from listening to the cascara, you know. So you can you can get a sense of time from really every instrument almost in a salsa band. Um, now, which one is more easier to? There are some instruments that are easier to feel than others, especially when you're trying to fit it into a salsa basic, you know. For example, the tumbao. But you are really able to hear that clave again, quote unquote, the sense of time within almost every instrument within a salsa band. So um, it's I wanna, really. I want to understand that a little bit more because I think I understand what you're saying. But let me clarify. So you're saying because when I think you're right, clave, I'm thinking is it a two three or a three two clave that ba 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 ba. So you're saying that a clave can also be a more general term for. Uh, just if I'm hearing the the tumbao, just doing a little bit of math in my head and knowing there are eight counts in in the beat, and the tumbao is coming here and here, so that I can do the math in my head and see, okay, here's the pace of this eight count. Is that what you're saying? And that that would be called exactly, exactly, exactly. That's what it is because um, there there are two sense of the word clave. Okay, obviously it's gonna be the wooden instrument, which you probably already know in you know what a clave looks like. But in, in music, the clave uh, um, is also the time structure um, or the time signature in which you're using to play in a band. Because remember, every, just like in an orchestra, you have your conductor that's keeping you on cue, keeping you on time. That clave, the sense of clave within a salsa band is also keeping the time signature for or, or keeping the, the time for everybody with than that salsa band. So you, are, in fact, don't have to have a clave there, uh, an actual physical clave. You can hear a piano montuno. One, two, three, and five. You can get the sense of time within the piano montuno. If you're hearing just the conga, you're able to get that sense of time or that sense of clave by just hearing the conga, conga pattern. Um, you're able to do that with the same thing with the cascara. So you're able to do that through a lot of instruments within the, with that uh, Afro-Cuban or Latin band. You don't have to physically just be hearing the actual wooden instrument, which is the clave. Am I explaining myself kind of? Yeah, man. No, I'm, it's just taking me a while to process this because you're like blowing my mind right now. I just had no idea that clave was such a general term as well. Like I, I only thought it was the instrument. So. Uh, what what now the question then becomes is I define the instrument clave as a three two or a two three clave. So when you're saying like the clave, you know, feeling the clave, feeling the the timing, is there a technical answer to that question, or is if I say like what's the clave of this when there's no clave instrument in the song, does that mean like the clave like that's when I feel the music, or is there an actual technical answer to that question of where's the clave like? What's the timing of this? How do you answer that question, or is it just something you feel? Well, no, it, it all comes back to what are what are you really asking? It comes within the context. If you're talking to a musician, or if you're talking to to somebody about this type of uh, material, you need to and you use the word clave. Then you, by your context, you need to define what you're talking about, or you need to make it clear. Um, you you know you're in a salsa band. Hey guys, okay, so we're gonna start the, playing this piece. Uh, it's going to be on a 3-2 clave, okay? And then the, the clave starts playing, starts uh, laying out the time, the time pace um, in which the salsa band is going to play, and then everything's taken from there, you know? 
um, versus a director saying, okay, so we're going to start with the salsa, with the, with the clave sound. So as an instrument, okay, clave, you start playing. And then the, so that you actually hear the physical clave instrument. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I feel like we could do a whole episode just talking about clave, man. But <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating stuff. And, and even just that right there is just a big aha for me. I hope it is for the listeners as well. Um, so besides the clave, uh, and you mentioned a few other things like the son montuno, um, the tumbao, there these other things. But shifting gears just a little bit, just to talk about uh, ways to improve as a dancer. So I just want to hear a little bit about your progression as a dancer. So as you moved up through the ranks and improved your skills in, in dancing, how did you do that? Uh, and maybe giving us an understanding of, you know, this is how many days a week I was practicing. This is how I was practicing. You know, I just did a post about deliberate practice, you know, this idea of not just putting in the time, you know, putting in that Everyone likes to point to this 10,000 hour rule. I'm going to put in 10,000 hours and then I will be an expert. Uh, I don't subscribe to that. I think it's also 10,000 hours of deliberate practice where you're getting feedback on your dancing. You're trying new things. You're really measuring and testing. It's not just about being there and being a zombie for 10,000 hours. So you obviously have have done that to a large extent uh, where you've improved. So how do you do that? How do you approach that as a dancer to become better? How would you say? How do you tell your students? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. Um, I guess I really haven't really given it a, too much thought of what really, you know, got me to the level that I am right now. I, I think it just kind of has to come back to, to, to passion, you know, how much do you love something? Of course, everybody, whenever they start learning salsa or, um, or anything new for that matter, you know, we're all excited. We're like, we, I remember when I, when I first started dancing, literally me and Johan, which is my best friend and, we, we danced together in Los Anormales. Um, we would go out every single night, Monday through Monday. We were out at the salsa club, you know, because you, you have that bug. You, you, you want to get better. You, you love dancing. You love showing off your new moves and everything. Obviously, I don't practice or go out as much as, as I do. I think the quality of my practice has improved, though. Um, as far as time is concerned, I don't practice as much. Uh, even though maybe I do dance pretty much every day, but it has to do with the quality, uh, has to do with your, with, with your goals. Um, what are you trying to achieve as a dancer? Are you trying to get better at footwork and practice more footwork? Um, are you trying to get more in tune with the music? Then pay more attention to what you're trying to accomplish. You know, don't just say that, okay, so I'm going to practice. Um, so I guess, I guess to answer also your question is, come to your, to your own practice with an agenda, you know? Mm. So this is what I'm trying to do. Um, work on this partner work, work on this full work. Uh, you know, that's, I'm kind of like giving you a, a, yeah. an answer of what I think on the spot, you know, right now. No, but but, you're, uh, right. you're right. And, and, and I'll, I'll go back to the passion part because I think that's essential. That, that's a non-starter in my opinion to become better. That's also, you just have to have passion for it. But one other thing you said is, going out dancing seven days a week or working seven days a week, it's, in my opinion, much more important the frequency with which you practice and which you engage those salsa thoughts than the length of time that you do it. So I would much rather practice 30 minutes a day, seven days a week, than 20 hours over the course of two or three days. Because I believe right. that just accessing it on a regular basis, it ingrains that habit, ingrains 
those thoughts much more regularly than just doing it a lot overkill, almost cramming on a day or two. So would you agree with that? No, yeah, definitely. Quality over, over quantity, you know, pretty much in everything in life. And dancing is no, no exception. Um, I just had a thought to ask you about that. <laughs> Bro, that was uh, all the time. Welcome to my world. I, I was also thinking that, um, you know, with, with the passion piece, I find a general um, consensus among people I talk to that usually they get into salsa because they've somehow burned the bridges behind them, burned the boat behind them, right? That phrase where they, they almost say that there's no going back because there are these times when you're starting to learn where it sucks. Like I'd love to hear some of your early day experiences that suck. Like for me, man, women would not dance with me a second time. I could get one dance in a night and then they would be back for a second. That's for damn sure. Uh, there were nights where I would be done with social <laughs> dancing. I just want to quit. I would just be like, I'm never right. dancing again. I'd wake up in the morning being like, shit. Okay, let me get back to it. Let me watch some YouTube videos. Let me keep going. But that reason uh, for me actually was I was briefly dating someone in the salsa scene. And we broke up. Right. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, I was I just fell head over heels for this girl. And But from that, it kind of gave me that bug. So a lot of times I do hear that it's usually... Uh, a woman or a man that, that gets some kind of into it, uh, or maybe it's something, you know, with you, it sounds like you grew up with that passion of music, but either way, you just have to have a strong, strong reason to continue going when everything like logically tells you to quit. Cause you're like, ah, I'm making a fool of myself. Oh yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's that passion. Is that love for, for in this case, you know, that love for what you love doing, you know, in this case, dancing, um, something that I do actually, that I've kind of realized subconsciously in the, in the last couple of, maybe about the net last couple of, well, the last year or so, you know, we all go through our, through our times, you know, we're all excited and then we kind of, that, our passion kind of dies down. And sometimes as a dancer, we need to, re, we, we need to find ways to rekindle that fire, you know, because if you don't have that passion, then you're not going to be practicing. And I guess, if your goal is to get better, then if you don't have the practice, then it's probably going to take double the time. I mean, the passion, it's going to take double the time, you know, to happen, for that to happen. Um, I think social dancing, social dancing is a really big factor in keeping your, 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 your inner fire alive. Because, you know, we all, a lot of us perform, a lot of us teach, a lot of us can dance with our own students, you know. But um, it has something to coming back to the roots of our dance, which is social dancing, that really rekindles your fire, or really keeps you going um, to, you know, to kind of push you to get better, uh, to work on several things that you want to work on, you know. I think social dancing is super important in, in a dancer's, uh, salsa dancer's um, journey through, through getting better. I, I agree. And I would add one caveat to that, which is social dancing outside of your community. Because if you are just social dancing with the same people every day, that's fine. I, I love my Gainesville South community here. They're great. But going out of town, dancing with out-of-town dancers, I've noticed that also really rekindles my passion. When I go to a Congress and I'm spending four or five hours a night social dancing, uh, I come back from that re-energized. You know, I just went to the Orlando South Congress and I've been on a high since then. Because, you know, I dance with people around Orlando and Tampa quite a bit, but they got people flying in from all over the place, all new dancers. So uh, understanding that this community is large and a big way of doing that is getting out of your bubble and social dancing. Uh, and, and the other thing that you mentioned about uh, about passion, man, that, that's honestly a big reason why I started this podcast. You know, it's 
I, I don't really have any business motives behind doing this, but I noticed that when I have conversations like this with people who are equally or more passionate than me about salsa, uh, I can feed off of that. And I'm hoping that the people who are continuing to listen to this podcast also feed off of that by hearing this conversation between the two of us. But just having those conversations and being around people who feel the same way that you do, I've noticed has really helped me to continue working. And you know, a reason for me to wake up in the morning and do spin drills or do body isolation exercises. Otherwise, I just wouldn't really have that motivation, honestly. Oh yeah, man, for sure, man. And and I guess I was talking more about rekindling your passion than uh, I don't know if you were going with like with through you know with that point. Um, rekindling your passion because you know not necessarily about dancing with high high skilled dancers which of course that's going to help you a lot but what I was talking about more mostly on my point um, is you know you, I can dance with the most beginner person but um, it's what you feel you know uh, when you're dancing with that person try to um, develop that connection during the dance that's what I was referring to hmm. but yeah I don't know yeah totally agree as well um, you know, you, you have to have a good, healthy balance of dancing with beginners and dancing with higher skilled dancers so that you can grow as a dancer for sure. So what's, what's going on in your head when you're dancing with beginner? Because your, your move list is obviously limited because you don't want to confuse them. Um, and let's say you don't even necessarily like the song all that much. Let's say you're an on two dancer and Mark Anthony comes on. So, what right, you, right. you know, like, what, what are you doing during that dance and, and how do you make that connection during that dance and enjoy that dance? What, what's going through your head in that case? Oh, dude, and a lot of people, a lot of people can agree with me on this. You can have the most basic dance and enjoy that dance even more than dancing with somebody. I'm talking about enjoyment, self-fulfillment, self-enjoyment than dancing with somebody that's super skilled and doing a bunch of partner work and fast skilled dance moves by just dancing with a beginner doing regular crossbody leads a little bit of full work inside turns you know a copa here and there i find myself dancing and i and actually most of my social dancing is super basic very basic because i enjoy it i enjoy doing just those long crossbody leads I enjoy doing just that simple full work with body movement. I enjoy doing those inside turns, you know? And I don't know. It's just something about it. Bring it back to the simplicity. You can enjoy it more. Um, I don't know. That's just my take on it. No, <laughs> you know, you I, could take more. And I see that. <laughs> no, no, no. But I see that when I was looking at some of your videos, which we'll link to here in the show notes as well. I saw on your videos, especially the one with you and Gianna when they did their, um, what is it, I-35 road trip, I believe. But when the two of you were dancing, you were also, again, not really doing very advanced moves. And she's one of the most advanced dancers in the United States, right? So you could obviously do whatever moves you wanted, but you're right. You were doing normal, average moves, right? And you could tell that you were enjoying the dance as well. But what I also noticed was that on a lot of these normal, straightforward moves that you were doing, you took it to a, a more of a depth, right? So instead of just doing a normal cross by lead, I could tell that you were moving your rib cage on that, right? And I could tell that you were uh, whipping your head around a little bit more with, with this good spotting technique on another move, right? So you were taking a deeper dive into those very basic moves, which very few of us do. And I'll, I'll relate that to my own experience this past weekend. I took a private class with Ernesto Bolnes. You know Ernesto, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, great he, he's he's an amazing dancer. I'm a huge fan. So he was down in Tampa for Fuego. He still runs the Fuego down there. So I grabbed his ear for an hour. We did a private class, and you know, man, all we did that whole time was go over the basic step because I knew the steps, but I didn't know all the connection with the body movements and the Afro-Cuban elements of it, um, things that I just don't have, and it was causing my basic step to look pretty crappy, right? So we just worked on that. So really taking a deeper dive into the basic. And that's what I try to think about uh, when I'm dancing with beginners is how can I make this crossbody lead smoother? Um, how can I make this outside turn better? And it, almost like a back to basics mentality is what I do. Now I think what I need to get better at is what you I think do very well, which is listening to the music, uh, interpreting the music in your dancing and making that connection with the partner. I'm, I'm getting better at that, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. We're all, we're all, it's constantly, it's a constant journey, man. Um, dancing, you, you learn certain things and you think you know them well. And then you go through that period of, oh my gosh, you know what? I need to go back to the beginning. I need to go back to those basic classes so that my basic steps, just my basic step or my basic in, uh, inside turn or my basic crossbody lead can get better, you know? And it's it's just a big journey, man. This journey is never gonna end for any of us. Um, yeah. You can't have evolve it, right? You can't you can't have yeah. evolve your salsa salsa skills. It's always gonna be something you learn. Frankie Martinez, Eddie Torres, they're all still learning. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Everybody's still everybody in this game is still learning. And and that's the good thing about it. You know, it, it's almost like um, if we were in ballroom dancing, you could say this is the peak. Right, because it's structured in such a way, my understanding of ballroom, which is very limited, but my understanding is they judge on certain very specific criteria. Salsa, there isn't really the same kind of thing because they're always bringing in different dance styles into it. So yeah, you, you, there really is no ceiling, whereas in traditional ballroom dancing, I feel like there's much more of a defined ceiling in how good you can get. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, same thing with ballet. You, know, you can pick up a, a book on ballroom or ballet and learn your basics from there because that's how it's done and that's how it's been done for many, many years, you know? Um, salsa, the beautiful thing about salsa, unlike any, a lot of the dances out there, it, yes, it continues to evolve. It continues to, it adds so many different elements of so many different type of music um, that to learn all of that and learn how to interpret all of that within your body, man, it, it's, it's a lifetime endeavor. It's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, I want to be mindful of your time, so I just have two more questions before we end this so you can go to your seamstress and get ready for the, the big salsa fest here this weekend. But my, my first of two questions is, what is your favorite single moment dancing salsa? So since you've begun really dancing in what we know is the salsa scene, what has been your favorite moment, your favorite experience that you've had? Hmm, the most my favorite moment that I've had ever dancing. It, yeah, uh, I guess. And, and actually, I, I would broaden that out. It doesn't have to be even while you're in a dance. It could have been watching a performance. It could have been um, just having a conversation after. Just, you know, when, when you think of why you you love this dance so much, is there any specific uh, just uh, idea or memory that bubbles up to the surface? I think I do. I think I have so many. I, I think I have quite a. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to even to just come up with one. You're kind of hitting me on the spot there. I think one of my actually one of the fondest memories I have of dancing, it's um, 
I have several several instances that I can think of is when somebody is able to inspire me just about just by telling me of what their view on music is or what their view on dancing is and how they take it to such a not just okay so this is a time that I'm going to class and this is when I'm dancing but how they take it to a lifestyle um actually one of my real 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 close friends of mine and uh you know we talk quite often uh, Shanita Almor, great, amazing dancer. She's been dancing for, you know, all her years. I, I, ha- I remember having conversations with her about dancing and just talking to her and viewing how she viewed dancing. It's not something, in fact, she, you can quote me on this. We were talking about this very extensively. Dancing is not something you do. And I, I, in my turn, I, I take it as music or dancing. Music or dancing is not something you do. It's who you are or it's a way of life. And by talking to her and having these conversations with her, I really learned how to appreciate dancing and music even more. And that was, I think that's actually one of the conversations that inspired me even more and turned my my salsa or my dancing career or whatever you want to call it around because after after having those conversations with those to speak especially shani one of being one of them i started seeing dancing in a different light so i think being around those people that constantly inspire me and inspire me to view dancing in as, as a way of life rather than something that you just do on the side you know that's something that's one of my favorite fondest memories I have of, 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 of my dancing and how it's helped me progress is, is you know, making dance a lifestyle. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's kind of what you were getting at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've had conversations like that as well with, with individuals. And what, what that's helped me to do is not be so result focused in my dancing as in, man, won't, won't it be great when I finally can do pachanga and not look like a, like a dancing monkey. Right. Uh, it's more so, it's more so the, the process, right? Having conversations like that helped me to focus on enjoying the process of dancing. And then you don't feel like you're in a rush to spend an hour understanding the clave, right? Or spending an hour learning the shine, uh, because you're enjoying the process of just understanding a part of you better in, in a very real way. Right. So that's what, what I've noticed that uh, I've had conversations like that. And that's my takeaway from that is I've had an increased level of patience, increased level of understanding with what, what I, what I am, you know, who I am as well. So, man, that's awesome. I haven't, I haven't thought about that in a while. So, uh, that's a great memory. The, the second question I have is if you could just give one tip to beginning dancers, you know, people who have maybe been dancing one to six months, uh, what, what would you tell them? What would you tell them as, uh, as one tip that's really going to help them with uh, being dancing? And that can be a tactical tip. It can be something more just like we talk about like philosophy wise with dancing, but what would you tell them? Okay. Um, actually maybe I'll, I'll do, I'll do two of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. The first one, one, a and one the B. first one, yeah, one A, one B. One A is, no matter how advanced you are, how many years you've had of experience or how new you are, always go back to the basics. Always go back to the basics. You can never have your, your basics refined to such a way that you can never work on them again. 
So always back, go back to the basics and master that even even more. Second, um, I think so many people are, are, get caught up on this one, two, three, five, six, seven format. I think just go back to what you feel. Go back to feeling the music um, when you're social dancing and just try to connect even more every time that you listen maybe to the same song or social dance to the same song. Try to find different things that you can interpret with your body um, so that it doesn't look like ultimately you're dancing to a one, two, three, five, six, seven, you know? Um, I think that's just two things that I really try to focus on and maybe it's going to help a lot of people just to kind of refocus on those two things, especially feeling the music so that you don't look like a robotic, like a robotic monkey <laughs> dancing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. Come on. I'll get there. No, no, bro, bro. I was talking about you, man. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take lessons from you. I'm gonna go to Florida and take lessons. Yeah, man, come on down, man. Anytime, anytime. We're we're working on the Gainesville Salsa Congress. Maybe one of these years we'll actually have a Congress, but maybe more a festival. I think we're we're ready for a festival, but not quite a Congress yet. Hey, man, I really appreciate the time. This has been an awesome conversation. This is one of my favorite uh, favorite presentations that we've done here. So thank you so much for taking taking the time to speak with me here. And before we end today's show, are there links, are there websites or ways to get a hold of you if any of the listeners want to uh, follow up on any of the things that you discussed here today? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, people can go to my website uh, or my Facebook, you know. Nowadays, it's all about the Facebook. So my, my website is NestorRussellDance.com. If you put it on any Google search and, you know, it'll pop up. Um, or just go to Facebook.com slash nestor.salsa and uh yeah just hit me up be my friend and uh, hopefully i get to dance with some of you guys some of you listeners out there one of these days soon yeah and i can almost guarantee that you have at least one mutual friend in common with this guy we we have like 50 friends in common all over the country so this guy knows everybody cool 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 <laughs> well thanks for having me Rob. absolutely Que te agarres